Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment on GEMS Podcast. Hope, hope your day is off to an amazing start. With me today is a very special guest in the hot seat, and it is Alicia Butler-Pierre. And let me tell you a little bit about her background. So Alicia Butler-Pierre is on a quest to revolutionize the way small businesses operate. She does that by speaking, coaching, writing, lecturing, and podcasting. She is the founder and CEO of Equilibria Incorporated and the best-selling author of Behind the Facade, the world's first published book on business infrastructure. She hosts the weekly business infrastructure podcast, which ranks in the world's top 2%. She's an adjunct instructor of Lean Principles at Purdue University and operations management at um, Nichols College, a chemical engineer turned entrepreneur. She advised design and optimize processes for organizations, including some big names that you're, you should be aware of, Coca-Cola, Shell Oil, the Library of Congress, and the Home Depot. So without further ado, let's welcome this multifaceted, multidimensional, versatile woman on the mission, Alicia Butler-Pierre. Genesis, wow. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Alicia. And before we dive in to learning about business operations, management, and just overall structure, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. And I know we're pressed for time, so we could do a rapid fire game, which instead of 10 questions, maybe we could do it to five, unless you're rapid, rapid, or we could do a icebreaker. (laughs) Well, let's go for the icebreaker. Okie dokie, we're breaking the ice with Alicia. (laughs) I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. I do a lot of crazy things, Genesis. The one thing that almost immediately comes to mind is the time my husband and I jumped from a moving train. We were in, we were between... Paris and Versailles in France, and we didn't, we aren't fluent in French, so we didn't understand that this particular train that we were on was going out of service, so we were, we realized we were being headed, we were heading toward the rail yard, and (laughs) we sounded the alarm to let him know that we were, we were still on the train, and he didn't, he slowed down, but he never came to a complete stop, which was really interesting. So we pried the doors open and literally jumped out onto the platform. Thankfully, we didn't break any limbs, but that was a crazy true story that happened. Oh my gosh. That is the first. 
one that someone has said jumped out of a moving train because I was just about to ask were y'all stunt doubles uh, for a movie or something because that is just so wild and I'm so glad y'all didn't break anything because what are those people called stunt men or stunt women yes yes that's exactly right <laughs> oh wow so I like that icebreaker and it definitely is going to um, help us in this conversation because that definitely is a bold move to do and some people um this is not to be taken the wrong way but some people will say man that's so ballsy but <laughs> to do that so Alicia <laughs> let talk about you having the courage and the tenacity as well as the drive to transition and pivot career-wise. You went from being a chemical engineer to entrepreneur and you know sometimes when people are out on the outside looking in they're like why would you leave a good job with these good benefits to do what? Are you sure you really want to do that? And you'll hear the chatter, the chatter. But then when you know that your heart is pulling you in a different direction and you're called to do more where you can have a bigger Im impact based on the imprint that you leave, then you have to act on that. And I think everyone needs to wake up to who they are or whose they are, depending if you're religious spiritual or whatnot but you have to remain steadfast and follow your dreams in order for them to become reality so can you give us a glimpse into your background and then we're going to talk about the work that you're doing now sure and genesis i know you're a visionary life coach so i know you'll particularly appreciate what i'm about to say i really i felt like a caged bird if that makes any sense i was working and living in new orleans louisiana and it didn't take me long to realize that I did not want to spend the next 20 to 30 years of my career being in an oil refinery or a chemical plant. And what really made me, or kind of not, I wouldn't say forced, but what really opened my eyes when I was working as a chemical engineer, um, my first job out of college was at Monsanto. Don't, don't judge me. For those who are listening, don't pass judgment. <laughs> it was my very first job out of college. And every, every unit in that particular plant was assigned an accountant. And that accountant would come over once a month, Genesis, and would share these different figures to let you know how your particular part of the overall plant was performing. And it was as though she was speaking Greek, assets, liabilities, profit and loss, and all of these terms that I didn't understand. And I also didn't understand or have an appreciation genesis for the huge fluctuations. Sometimes it could be from day to day in production. One day we might be asked to run at full capacity, the next day, we have to scale back by 50%. And then the day after that, we may be asked to shut down completely. And then after that, you're, you're up and running at 100% capacity again. I didn't understand the business behind what we were doing. I was just an engineer. I was technical, on the technical path, used to doing troubleshooting as a process engineer. So I didn't have an understanding of the business. And I would later come to learn from one of my accounting professors in business school that accounting is, in fact, 
the language of business. And it was a, a language that I was not fluent in. I decided to go back to business school. I was pursuing my MBA. I was working full-time during the day, going to school late at night. And by this point, Genesis 9-11 happened. I know I'm aging myself here, but it really started to open my eyes about what was really important in life. I was miserable at my very first job. I started working for a smaller family-owned engineering consulting firm. And that was my taste of entrepreneurship, if you will. And I, you didn't deal with all of the bureaucracy, the silos, the, the, the things that can come when you're in a much larger organization. And I was pursuing my MBA. And eventually, I just had this hunch that I needed to get out of New Orleans. I couldn't explain it. I abruptly quit my job September 2004. By, the, by that December, I graduated with my MBA. The following January, I put my house up for sale in New Orleans. I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, where I knew one person at the time. And six months later, Hurricane Katrina happened in New Orleans. Wow. So that's how, that's how the that's how my my story as a that chapter of my life as a true chemical process engineer kind of I, I won't say I closed the book on that. I just kind of morphed or evolved into something else. And once I got to Atlanta, I <laughs> I was looking for a job. And after about two months of what seemed to be endless soulless job searching, I decided to redirect the time, effort, and energy that I was spending trying to find a J-O-B working for someone else and redirect that time, effort, and energy into creating an opportunity for myself. That was 2005. And here we are 17 years later, Genesis, in 2022. And I'm still here with the same company. It's changed over the years, but the, the essence of it is pretty much the same. That is amazing. And oh my gosh, just to hear how you took a leap of faith and you followed that hunch. And some people may say the intuition or the discernment or that still small voice that was prompting you that it was time to bust a move. You didn't know what you were going to do, but you knew that it was going to be all right and you were going to figure it out along the way. And sometimes we as individuals have to do that. And then sometimes there are some individuals that you're on the road to do that, but you're building up your exit plan and strategy because you may have other obligations that you need to be mindful of, whether you have children, a spouse, or et cetera. And you just want to make sure that you're making the right decision that will not just turn things upside down. Um, so I commend you for that. And working in a chemical plant, whoo. We, I, I, I only lasted 11 months, y'all, working in camp. I was like, I am not about to wear no FRCs, no flame retardant clothing. These people out here in this unit are very, very UP. And someone's like, Genesis, what is a UP? And I'm like, undercover prejudice. I was like, no ham, no cheese, no turkey. This is not Subway. This is not Burger King where you get your way. I was like, I need to go back to headquarters. And I was a yeah. RMC. I was a raw material coordinator for polypropylene. So I was sourcing all oh, of that. Wow. And it was just horrendous because there was one lady in the unit who I don't know what her problem was, but she would always change like 
Um, when I would put orders in and you go into SAP, she would change the order delivery date. So there was one particular time where mm -hmm. we were getting some chemicals that were being delivered in a tank. And we and for those of you who are not familiar with the chemical plant, if you're using teal or DAC or whatnot, and it's in a big a tank, you have to wait till the tank level gets to a certain level, not below the heel or whatnot, in order for you to order a Another material because you may have four four tanks in the fleet that needs to be done and one online so if that tank comes in and you don't have all four empty cylinders or whatnot then that truck has to turn back around and when that truck turns back around it's money because you didn't order at safety stock and you're holding inventory and we may not have the place for that inventory depending what it is and going to your point when you're running at full capacity or below capacity you have to work with the process engineers to say okay are we doing a great change are we swapping things out or whatnot but without accurate communication and really understanding the business needs the structure and etc then your operation is not going to flow smoothly and effectively and if you're the only one that looks like you your your neck may be on that chopping block because they're gonna pass the blame on onto you so alicia based on the knowledge that you learn from working in that type of setting with the work that you're doing today, how can we be the smooth operator, as you call it? <laughs> um, what are some tips to help organizations um, operate their back offices with ease? Because sometimes so many people are looking at the front office and they don't look at the back office and both of them need to come together in order to create these synergies or really have a center of expertise and excellence. That is so well said, Genesis, and such an excellent question. And you're right, There is there tends to be more focus or emphasis on front the front office or the forward facing the client facing activities but when it comes to what's going on behind the curtain or what's going on under underneath the proverbial hood of your business that oftentimes unfortunately takes a back seat and when we say back office operations let's just be clear on what we're talking about oftentimes it it may boil down to administrative type functions that you all have going on in whatever your organization is. But by and large, when we say operations, what we are talking about are literally the boots on the ground, you're rolling up your sleeves, that kind of work. What does it take to literally deliver your service or make your product? The not so sexy stuff that's going on behind the scenes that your customer doesn't necessarily see, but certainly experiences. To answer your question about how can people become a smooth operator, because my company, Equilibria, we really focus on companies dealing with fast growth, because that's at the moment, Genesis, when they there's chaos. There's chaos that comes with fast growth because you're again, behind the scenes, like Santa's elves in the workshop, just tinkering away, trying to make sure that you get all the Christmas gifts delivered on time. So one of the things, one of the tips that I have, it's something that we do with our clients is doing everything according to department. You have to understand what does my company look like on the inside? One of the activities that we do to first help you figure out what are the departments of my company is we, we actually have an exercise and I have 
I have a little demonstration here where imagine these are just these little index cards that I'm holding up here. And for those of you who don't have the benefit of seeing Genesis and I right now, I'm holding up three different index cards and they have, they're labeled A2, C1, and B3. But just imagine these represent different activities that are being performed in your company. What I would then help you do is figure out how to group out all of the activities that are similar in nature. And from there, you might say, okay, well, if I have activities A2, A1, for example, just bear with me, I'm gonna get another index card here. So as you're starting to group your similar tasks together, I'm holding up two index cards now, one says A2 and A1, but imagine these were two activities that were sales or marketing related, and you would just kind of group them together. And then I would ask you, if you had to assign these activities to a department, what would the name of that department be? And in this example, I'm saying, oh, we're going to call this department A. But it could be a sales department, a marketing department, IT, human resources, change management, operations, so forth and so on. The point of this, though, Genesis, is to get you into the habit of organizing everything that you do in those back office operations around the departments. So everything from how you organize your physical paperwork to your digital files, to your physical workspace, organizing it according to the, those departments, even if you're just in a one room space, you can create or designate different corners of the room, for example, for different departmental activities. You might say in one corner of this room, this is where all of my sales and marketing related activities or this is where all of my sales and marketing related things are. And then in another corner, that could be where you actually take care of anything that's operations related. So it's just to get you in the idea and the practice and the habit of creating that basic business infrastructure so that as the growth continues, you can scale, but in a sustainable way. That's the whole point of this. I like that. And with the cards and the examples and how you just um, elaborated on that, you, it also brings in visibility because people aren't so removed. And I feel with large, larger organizations that scale quickly, if they don't really understand and have rapports with different people in, in different departments, then I feel like that's where we miss the, miss the mark because we all need to leverage the capabilities from other people who are working in an area that's outside of our zone of genius. But how does their area and scope of work benefit the work that we're doing? And are we making sure that we're engaging in those conversations? Are we talking about, okay, how can we get an ROI based on if we tweak something? Can we change a part of the process? But if we change a part of the process, how does it affect your work scope? Is it going to be more efficient or is it going to cause some bottleneck and et cetera? And I really believe that you have to have those lean principles and you have to begin to streamline it. But whenever you begin to streamline it, it takes everyone coming together to make sure there's some form of understanding on what is taking place. That is such a great point. And if I may, I just want to also show another little simple analog tool that I use. These are stick figures. <laughs> and so something else that we do, Genesis, because you, you spoke 
quite a bit about the people aspect of all of this, which is so critical. I completely agree with you. So one of the things that we also do is we look at every single index card. We're, imagine you have a large table, you have all of these index cards spread out across your table. Each index card, again, contains a specific task or activity that's performed in your company. And then you're gonna take a stick figure and you're going to assign every single task or activity to the person who ideally should be performing that particular task or activity. Not who's currently performing it, but ideally in a perfect world, if you had access to all of the resources that you needed, who ideally should perform those different tasks and activities. So just as another visual example, if we have task A1, and you as the CEO of your organization, Genesis, you may say, well, I do A1. But I would then question you, well, Genesis, should you really be responding to, to voicemail messages every day? Is that something that maybe an office manager could do instead? So it's, it's just a very quick visual way for you to assemble your team. Hopefully you can get everyone together in the same room at the same time to really start having conversations about what everyone is doing. So it ties in so nicely to what you were just saying about sometimes what, you know, the left hand may not know what the right hand is doing. And it's not until you get people in the same room at the same time that you can start to have these types of conversations and, and possibly even redistribute the workload or reallocate certain activities to other people. Absolutely. And I think that's where your other part of um, flowing in flux comes into place because you said what it takes to achieve a workflow that is smooth and hassle-free. And with the visual cues and the representations of identify A1 with also this is the, the person that we think should be doing this task or we really believe. And just realizing even though you're doing the task, you may not be the best person to do it. And that's okay. You may have other strengths and capabilities that you can leverage elsewhere and then slot someone else in or you may not necessarily like to do the task so I feel like that's a sense that we can empower people that are working in the organization and then that would also help retain those individuals because then they begin to be seen as well as heard and once you tap into that they're going to want to work harder they're going to want to work more smarter because they're like okay I'm seen I'm heard, I'm valuable, and I do have the ability to make changes when and if necessary. Those are the exact results every single time I've done this exercise. I've, I've lost count of how many times I've done this exercise with different organizations and not just small businesses. This applies to larger corporations. It could be a particular project team within a much larger organization. It could be at a department-wide level, but those are the exact results. Everything that you just said, it's getting people to, it's, it's breaking down barriers. It's breaking down silos that may have been inherent within the organization prior to an exercise like this. This is amazing. And I'm going to throw you an audible because I do want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you want to add to this conversation that would add value before we jump into the call to action um, for you to share with the audience? Sure. So we talked about the stick figures and the index cards and how those two simple tools alone can really help you radically transform the way you not only structure 
your business, but the way you actually operate. This is all about making sure that you can look as good on the inside as you may on the outside, right? So, so getting those back office operations in place. The other thing that I would like to offer or as, as some words of wisdom, I guess, Genesis to your audience are, I don't know if you heard this growing up, but I certainly did, is practicing the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Did you hear that? <laughs> so what, yes. I, what I mean by that, everyone, for those of you listening, when it comes to reading, read something every day about your craft, whatever your, your subject, your area of expertise is, whatever your passion is in, whether personally or professionally, but read something every day, writing, try to write something about your craft every single day, whether it's, even if it's just a, a longer prose, Facebook post or LinkedIn post, an actual blog article, whatever it is, try to get into the practice and habit of writing about your craft every day. And then finally, the arithmetic measure. You can't, you can't monitor, you, you can't improve what you don't monitor and you can't monitor what you don't measure. So what are some of the key metrics that you need to be looking at? Maybe not on a daily basis, but definitely a weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis to really let you know if you are reaching your targets. And if you aren't, then you can adjust quickly rather than waiting until the end of the year when you're filing your tax return and you realize you may not have done as well as you thought you did in the previous year. So remember those three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. I love that. And y'all, KPIs are so important because that's your benchmark process and you can use that personally as well as professionally. So Alicia, let's jump into the call to action. What is your call to action for the audience? Do you have a resource that you would like to share, a challenge that you want them to think about from a holistic standpoint that they could apply for personal development that will make them um, well-versed, whether they're a employee that is thinking about transitioning into the business bucket and entrepreneurship or et cetera? Well, we have launched an audio masterclass that is completely free. If you go to smoothoperator.courses, you'll be able to sign up for this free audio masterclass. And here's what's going to happen when you do that. If you want to learn more about, well, what is business infrastructure? What is a framework, a proven framework that I can apply to actually get my business operations under control? Or if it's not chaotic, how can I make sure that I set it up for success so that we never do reach a state of unmanageable growth or chaos? So go to smoothoperator.courses. When you get there, you'll be asked to sign up by providing your first name and your email address. Once you do that, you'll start receiving emails maybe every three days. It'll be a series of 13 different emails that will guide you through a combination of stories. These are narrated stories with original music, voiceovers, characters. It's, it's a lot of fun. Followed by these teaching episodes where I actually give a monologue describing how you can do things like create your organizational chart, create your records management systems, and create your business, document your business processes. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you, go check it out. It's free. And again, it's just a guided audio course to becoming a smooth operator. 
Love it. And thank you for <laughs> offering that resource. Now, how can they connect with you on social media? What platform do you primarily hang out on? And do you have a business website you would like to share? Sure. I primarily hang out on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you look for me at Alicia Butler Pierre, you can find me there. Please connect with me. I would love to connect with you all. And my company's website is eqbsystems.com. So instead of writing out Equilibria, we shortened it to eq like Quincy, b like boy systems.com. Amazing. And audience, Alicia's contact information will be in the show notes. All you need to do is read, scroll on down and tap in with her. Alicia, once again, I want to thank you again for just dedicating the time and your energy and resources to just come on and educate us as well as inspire and motivate. Audience, you know the drill. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share. We're on 40 plus platforms. You can see this video on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, where would I be without my supporters? You know I only think about you. Because of you, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts, and we couldn't have been we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you for dedicating your time on a consistent basis to support the guests that come into the community, as well as our pillars, which are education, inspiration, and motivation, while we also weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together. If you are interested in being a paid brand sponsor, we are definitely looking for you. Head on over to genesisamarskemp.net or send me a personalized email to genesisamarskemp at gmail.com to find out more information on how you can have a worldwide impact and reach. Until then, and the next guest, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.